0: So today we're going to continue what Pastor Dave left last week, and we're going to keep going and look. Uh, last week we went through uh, the call of Levi, or the call of Matthew, when the Lord called Matthew to be part of his disciples. And um, here in, in Luke is called Levi, and Mark also they call him Levi. But the book of Matthew called him, but how we know him, Matthew, okay, the disciple. And so we're, going, we're coming from that line, from that story. So Before we go to verse 33, we are going to read that story. So we we have that continuation idea of uh, where we were left. But before we we do this, let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, because you are so good to us. And uh, I'm thankful for having your word. I'm thankful for um, the blessing that we have to study your word. Not just to read it, but to know that your Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and I pray, Lord, that you can be speaking through me, that don't allow it to be my words, but your words, and that we can hear you, Lord, and that you can change our heart wherever need to be changed, that we can learn, that we can feel closer to you as we go through this text. Lord, thank you so much for, for giving us your word and your Holy Spirit to understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we're going to read from verse 27. You guys already went through this last week, but I just want to read it so we, we know what's happening. And then we're going to start in verse 33, which is the text for today. So verse 27, this is Luke 5. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. That's where we end up last week. That's where Pastor Dave ended up last week. So what's happening here? The Lord called Matthew or Levi as he's calling here. And uh, now they are in their, in his house and they're having a big meal. It's not a snack. They were not eating little snack. It's a banquet. Okay. Another word that we have for that is a feast. There were, there was food in there. There were food and abundance. Okay. So they were having a good time. And so that's where we're coming from. That's where we're going to, Catch up, and um, you're going to see a a question that is asked because of this. So we're going to go now to the text of this week, verse 33. And they say to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And they they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from the new garment and puts, puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new one into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skin, and it will be spilled, and the skin will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking all wine, desires new, for he says the old is good. All right, so we're going to start right there. That's the end of chapter 5. I'm hoping that we can go to the beginning of chapter 6 as well. But that's our goal right now, at least to finish this chapter. So who is they? Who is asking this question to the Lord? The Pharisees. Remember, we're coming from before. He was talking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. But as well, if you go to Matthew, you also know that the disciples of John were asking this question as well. And Matthew, um, do we have that one? Did I give it to you? Yeah, there you go. 914. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So this question also was, were coming from, from them. It was a, was a lot of people asking this question, not just the Pharisees. And, um, it's almost like he, you know, the people were there, and there was, they, they came. They were having a great time, eating a lot of food, having, you know, that's, I don't, I'm pretty sure, like, for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a is a holiday here in America. It just You guys go crazy with Thanksgiving. I don't even know how you guys can eat so much that, well, as a matter of fact, I keep eating the days after, too. My wife just saved out all that food, and then I had sandwich, and then we have all kind of stuff. So when I thought about the banquet or the feast, I thought in Thanksgiving. I got a lot of food in there the people come they see the disciples of Jesus eating having a good time and they say hey what i mean how is it they are eating every time that we see them they are eating well, you know this is not fair we we are fasting very often how's it that your disciples are always eating this is so not fair so before we go into the, the text i want to talk about fasting because this this is important to understand what fasting is um and the first question that I had to ask myself is why the Pharisees and the disciples of John, they fast? What were the reasons why they were, they were fasting? Now, if we go to the Old Testament of any, anyone who was before Christ, before the arrival of Christ, you will see they had different reasons for fasting. One of the reasons, and I'm not going to mention all of them because it's, it's many of them, but for instance, 2 Samuel 1, they will fast for mourning. They mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and his son Jonathan, and for the army of the Lord, and for the nation of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. This is one reason why people before Christ, they were fasting. In this case, they were mourning people that had died in war. Another reason why they fast, we find in Joel 2, it was a sign of repentance. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping, and mourning So there's a few reasons in there. Another reason: Daniel he fasts as well. We already know that one. He fasts for guidance. Uh, we had Nehemiah. He fasts right before he start the beginning of a big project that he have with the temple, with the, with the, um, yeah, with the temple. So there's many reasons why people fast before Christ, and there's many reasons why we fast today. So it's not only one reason to fast. You, as far as you keep in mind, the main reason, the big main reason why we fast is you can have different um, petitions or requests while you go and fasting. The main reason is to find intimacy with the Lord. This is about you and the Lord. It's a time of quality with the Lord. Search for the Lord while you put your flesh down. You stop feeding the flesh so you can find the spiritual food. Or as someone put it, it's a time where you submit the flesh. While we search for a special moment in the spirit. That's that's what fasting is. It's a time where you search for the Lord. Now the next question that I ask, how long should I suppose to fast? Is there like it's biblically do we find in the Bible a specific time of fasting? Well, let's see. Moses, Moses and Jesus, they fast for 40 days. Esther she fast for three days. Daniel, seven days, and then he fast again for ten days. Paul he fasts for 14 days so as you see neither is a specific time frame of how long we're supposed to fast there is not a specific reason and there is not a specific time uh you can even fast one meal i have seen people that they have fast one meal you know what today i'm gonna i'm not gonna eat dinner for instance i'm gonna spend that time in prayer i'm gonna spend that time in my room by myself searching for the lord You're searching for the Lord. That's the main purpose, or that's the main reason of fasting. You're searching for the Lord meaningfully. We are separating a time that has been used to feed the flesh, to search for what is spiritual. That is what fasting is. And it's because it's a spiritual act that we have to understand that this is between you and the Lord. Oh, that's, that must be because I'm getting younger now. It's because it's you and the Lord. It's not. It, this is not something that we're just saying, hey, I'm fasting today like you know the Pharisees used to do. It's something that is between you and the Lord. After all, you're looking for him. And um, Matthew 6, it tells us, 6.16, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. But only to your Father who is unseen. and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So this is not something to be saying to everyone, hey, I've been fasting for 20 days. Huh? What do you think? I'm more spiritual than you. That's not the idea. You're looking for the Lord. It's, you know, you're just trying to, to find that intimacy with the Lord. So it's almost like the question that they ask is out of place in some degree. Because what, what, what difference it will make if the disciples were fasting or not? As far as they knew what they were fasting, who cares if the disciples were fasting or not? If you know that you are fasting for the right reason, then that's something between you and the Lord. Okay, so let's keep going. Verse 34 and 35. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast in those days. Now, in order to understand this symbol, this idea of the bridegroom and the, and the bride, or Christ and the church, the, the Pharisees, they had to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They had to believe that he was the Son of God. Otherwise, for them, like, what are you talking about, Jesus? We don't even, we don't even understand what you're talking about. What, what is this about the bridegroom and the bride? They, they had to recognize something special in the Lord. But obviously we know that they were not. They were not looking to find if Jesus was the Son of God. They were just trying to put Jesus down and to just condemn him. That's what was in their mind. So there was no way that they were going to understand this. The Lord was physically with them. So at that moment, it wasn't time for fasting as the Lord said it. And um, and um when I was reading this, it taught me to... Ecclesiastes. I didn't practice that word. Ecclesiastes? Is that a word? Yes. Thank you. Ecclesiastes three. And everything has a time and a season. And I start thinking about that idea. The Lord is saying, you know what? Right now it's not time for fasting. That time is now it's time for celebrating. You know, I'm with them. You don't you don't do that in any wedding, right? when when the when the when the bride and the groom arrive, that's when you the party start. It's not when they are away. I remember the first wedding that I went We were hungry waiting for them to arrive. And when they came, everybody was yes, time to eat now. That's what we do. That's what we do. Jesus worked with them. And you know what? There is a blessing in fasting for sure. There is a blessing. But there is also a blessing in fasting and having a party and enjoying. Ecclesiastes 3, the same same chapter. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. There is a time for everything. There is a time for fasting. There is a time for enjoying and celebrating. So let's keep moving, 36 through 39. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskin. If he does, the new wine will burst the skin, and it will be spilled. And the skins will be destroyed. <clears throat> but new wine must be put into, into the fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. All right. Last week, Pastor Dave came to me and said, hey, I need somebody to preach last uh, next week and the night. And I say, okay, I'll do it. Depend what text is coming up. Because if it's too hard, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. And he said, no, it's easy. It's about the old wine and the new wine. I was like, okay, I'll do it. But when I read it, I was like, what is this? He set me up. And I, and, and I read it. I read it, I don't know, four or five times. And I keep trying to connect it with the idea of fasting. And it just, it didn't, I couldn't get it. I just got it, I think on Thursday. After I was thinking about this, I was praying and the Lord said, just go back. Like, you're, you're just reading that part. You know, my word is more than just that part. Expand a little bit. So I want to take you back in the, in the text. And as we see that the Pharisees and all these people that were trying to understand Jesus, they were so stuck, stuck in the old ways to do things and not what Jesus was bringing in. Right? So the biggest problem for the Pharisees and everyone it was that they were having a hard time to understand the new things that Jesus was bringing. Uh, the tradition to be known, uh, the tradition, for instance, the tradition to be known as correct. It was to fast often. That's what they understood. Like if, you, if this is the way that we do things, we're gonna fast and we're gonna do it often because that's what the tradition said. We are not gonna touch the Sabbath. The way that you know we keep the Sabbath, that's the way it is. Don't bring nothing new. Don't change it. That's the way that we're gonna deal with things. Important, please do not sit with tax collectors. That's a no no no. Okay, this is the way that we always have done it. Do not change it. And that's all what they used to do. They used to be stuck in the old traditions and they always to do things. But the problem was that Jesus was not conforming to the tradition. Jesus didn't come to conform to traditions, He came to change everything. He didn't come to conform to men's teachings. He was God. He didn't not to conform to many interpretations either. He was the one that wrote his word. And so he brought something new. And that's the problem that they were having. They couldn't understand that. They were trying to, you know, under, understand the Lord Jesus, but still, you know, grabbing the old ways and trying to put everything together so it makes sense for them. It was not going to happen that way. He brought something new, a different way to reach the Father, a new way to obtain obtain salvation, an amazing way to live an abundant life. But they would keep trying to understand Jesus with the traditions, with the way that they learned in the past. And so he said, if you're trying to just get pieces of what I'm teaching you, Jesus was telling them in a way, you know, if you're just going to grab this, A a, a few pieces of this new garment, of the new teachings, of my ways, and trying to put it in the ways that you already knew before, it's not going to work. It's not going to look good. As a matter of fact, it's going to look weird. So don't do that. You're trying to patch the old with new pieces. No, this is something totally different. It doesn't look good. You're trying to understand sacrifices, and and you're you're still trying to attach all the things to the new ways or the other way around. It's not gonna happen. You just have, you're just gonna have a mess if you keep doing that. Trying to stay in your traditions and trying to understand what I'm bringing. I was, I was reading what the wine skin is, and I don't know how many of you guys know this, but this is something I learned this week. A wine skin is like a, a container, if you will, or a little bag when you put wine on it. And what you do is you put the new wine in there, or the, technically, the juice. You put it in there, or that's what they used to do and they were closing they would wait until the wine ferment ferment and as it's fermenting that that container start expanding right it start giving it start moving right and it had to be new it had to be new the 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 skin that you're using for it and when it's done you just pour it and you just drink it and what you do with that container you just throw it away you don't use it again why you don't use it again because if you use it again it doesn't have more gift so if you put the juice again in there, and you wait to ferment it. That thing is gonna break because it, it doesn't give anymore. That's it. And so every time that we they they try to do this, that's where they're gonna get. This is gonna get a mess. You cannot put old wine and a, I'm sorry, new wine and an old wine skin because eventually it's just gonna break. It's not gonna hold. It's it's, it's just gonna have a mess. Uh, now, does that mean that the old Things, everything that we find in the Old Testament are not important. We don't listen to it. We don't read it. We just ignore it. Of course not. They are there. Are part of the of God's word. We read it. Are there for our benefit, but we cannot try to bring everything and make it work. And you know, I gotta work because I don't want to leave this thing yet. And you know, I kind of like both, so I'm gonna try. No, we cannot do that. We read it, finding benefit for our life. There is a blessing in the Old Testament, of course. There are the laws. There are the foundation everything that Jesus did. There are the prophecies in there. They are very important. But if you're trying to mix both of them, the way that the Pharisees the Pharisees were doing, you're going to have a mess. It's no way. Jesus was bringing everything, everything new. He makes everything new. He is the main character of the good news, of the good news. He makes us new creatures. He brought a new covenant. See, the new wine and a new skin. And a new wine scanner. I was thinking how I can find this, the practical, of, the practical use of this. And, and I'm a musician, so the first thing I go is to music and how usually I do this. I'm so stuck in the old music, I'm from the 80s, 90s, right? So that's my style of music. I listen to, usually I listen to Latin rock from the 80s and 90s. That's my thing. And I always go there. Don't, don't talk to me about the new things, okay? Because I can, ah, I can do the new style of music. But if I think about it, if I think about it as a musician, I can still find benefit of the new, of the new music. There is some stuff that I can get out of it. Now the problem with this is that sometimes at church we do it in, with worship, How you, and I'm sure that some of us have done this with worship. Uh, we are so stuck in the old style of worship, and we say, you know what, the new it's not for me. I, don't, I just don't, don't. I, I no. and we miss out. We miss our blessing. With a new one. Look at verse 39. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he said the old is good. It's like, you know, you had drink so much of the old worship or the old music. That you're like, I don't want that one because this one is good. But you're missing out this one. There is something in here too. The Lord changed everything. When the Lord came, he brought something brand new. And it was a huge blessing for us. We cannot... And the practical, you know, I'm trying to be practical in here, and the practical teaching and the practical learning of this for me is like, I had to know that the Lord is also here in the new worship styles too. I can find blessing in here. I cannot just say the all is good and just ignore this. No. Worship is worship, and worship is for the Lord. Now, there is some elements, of course, that we have to be careful. Absolutely. But we, I cannot just say, you know what, the all is good, and I'm just going to drink this wine. It's like, hey, the Lord is giving this worship to you. The Lord is giving this music to you, and it's for your blessing, your benefit. So I don't know. I leave that for you. I was thinking about this. I was going through it. Let's move to Luke six, chapter six. Uh, we're gonna enter in something. Yes, let's let's just read and see what the Lord had to tell us. Luke six, verse one and two. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? So here we have the disciples again going through the uh, grain fields, taking some grains. Um, The text really doesn't tell us if they were hungry or not. We assume that they were hungry if they want to eat, but I don't know. I think about myself, I don't always eat when I'm hungry. Sometimes I eat because I don't know, I look good. I don't know. I don't know about you, but the text doesn't say if they were hungry or not. But the point is that they did it. They did it. And um, it says that they plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. And what they were doing is pretty much just taking it out, and they were rubbing it to separate what is eatable from what is not. And that's why they rub it in their hands. And so I want you to keep that in mind because we're going to go back to that idea. So uh, keep that in, over there. We will be right back to that. So the question that come after is, why? Uh, let me read it here. What they were doing that was unlawful. The Pharisees told them, hey, why do you allow your disciples to, le- to do what is unlawful in Sabbath? So the question is, what, what, they, what they were doing that was unlawful. I know and we know that Jesus didn't break the law. Do we all agree with that? Or it's just me? Alright, cool. So there must be something else. It must be something else that they that they meant. What was unlawful for the Pharisees that they broke. Um I wanna to go to oh, I practice this so much. Deuteronomy. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> I was practicing right before the service. Deuteronomy 5. This is what the written law is about the Sabbath. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it not, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter and your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or any sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. This is the written law. This is the law that God gave them. Okay. This is God's law, you should not do any work, okay now, so again, what the Pharisees were talking about when they say they're they doing something unlawful. Now, what the Pharisees were doing is and the Jews they try to define what work means, and that's where you get you know we get a whole mess now because they're trying to understand what the Lord meant by work, right so we're going to write stuff that come from the oral teaching as well. And they, read, they write it down, and they, and they broke, according to that law, the interpretation of the Pharisees, they broke two laws. Not the written law, but the Pharisees' interpretation of the law. They broke the reaping and the threshing. That was, that, that's what they did wrong. And what does this mean? This includes all operations where food is separated from its natural container, both solid and liquid, liquid foods, both are included. The prime example is threshing grain to remove it from its husk. A squeezing a fruit for its juice is also included. The same is true for milking, of milking a cow. So according to that law, that's what they were talking about. They, you guys broke that law, the threshing and the reaping. No, 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 that's not good. What they did, not the rich law, but the, the interpretation of the Pharisees about that law. It just say, you should not work. And they went a little farther, and they start trying to understand what the Lord meant by working. So they put this law. This is what it means. This is what we think that it means. And so now they were doing it, and it's like, oh, yeah, we had that written. We, we wrote it down. That's, that's, not, that's a no-no. I don't think so. So that's what they were condemning. Now, let's see the Lord's answer, because this is pretty awesome. And Jesus asked them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him. Now he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him. Now, here we go again. I love when the Lord says, have you not read? It's almost like, hey, come on. You read this. What did did you do with that that you read? Because they obviously knew the word. Did you actually thought what that means when you were reading it? Have you not read this? You are a teacher of the law. The Lord told him one time to uh, another Pharisees, and you don't understand this? You're supposed to know all the things. What are you doing with that knowledge? Are you actually thinking about this? Have you not read? Uh, Have you actually think about this? Now, here's where it got a little challenge for me, to be honest. Uh, To try to understand this idea, because um, it gets challenged. So I'm going to try to be very careful the way that I explain this. Uh, so so I don't uh, confuse you more, actually. So there's two ways that we can go with this passage. The first one, uh, it, somebody proposed, or a few people actually proposed, that the, what David broke was a ceremonial law. And the ceremonial law is under the Ten Commandments. Meaning that, you know, you get the ceremonial law, but above the ceremonial law, we had the Ten Commandments, the moral law. It's like the idea of the... Uh, the Constitution and, uh, you know, the state's law. They had to be under. They had to be under the Constitution. So some people propose that David didn't break the moral law. He only broke the ceremonial law. Therefore, it was okay with the Lord because he didn't break the moral law. He only broke the ceremonial law. The problem that I have with that, and this is me. You guys can think different. We can talk about this later. This should be fun. Is that It was still God's law. So I can, I don't know how you can justify that. It was, it was given by the Lord. And so I still have a hard time to understand that why the Lord may seem that he's justifying what David did. The second one is God's desire mercy more than sacrifice. Um, now, before I go to this one, because this is where it gets messy for me is I had to make sure that you and me understand that the law was given to be obeyed. Okay, there's no way around it. If the Lord said, do not murder, you do not murder. If the Lord said, honor your father and your mother, that's what you do. There's is, there is no second thought about this. That's the way it is. Okay, the, the law was given to be obeyed, period. Okay, so with that as a foundation, let me explain you what I think that happens here. According to the text, there's no doubt that David broke a law given by God. Because the Lord says, if we go back... And we see Jesus' words. He say, How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. This is Jesus talking. So he acknowledged that it's not lawful. So David, there's no I had no doubt that David broke the law given by God. And the answer that I have for you is that I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening here. I don't understand why it seems why it seems that the Lord is justifying what David did? It's almost—it's almost like it seems like the Lord is saying, "You know what? But he did it for a better good." That's the way that it came to my mind the first time through. So, I had to come to this text, understanding that my my little mind, my little Chilean mind, is trying to understand this amazing and great godly mind. And so that's where I say, "Lord, I I don't understand what you did here." All what I can say. Is you you probably just extend your your grace, which is something that I experienced as well. I had done so much wrong, but you you keep extending your grace. Uh, and again, it seems like he's justifying it, but obviously, I can see that the lawyer say no, he did something wrong. It's something unlawful. But for some reason that only belongs to the Lord, and he is he is the only one that can do that because it's his law. He it seems like he extended his grace to David, and it's, it looked like he justified what David did now, what i 'm not saying and please don't don't misunderstand me and i 'm going to clarify this i 'm not saying that it 's okay to break the law, hoping that God is going to extend your grace. No, the law has been made to be fulfilled and to be um, to be obeyed i 'm not saying that it 's okay, okay. At all. I'm not saying that if you think that it's okay to break the law for a greater do, for a greater good, you should do it. I'm not saying that either. I'm not saying that God makes exceptions either. And I wrote all this because I don't want you guys to mistake in this. The, the law was given to be obeyed. What I'm saying is that in this particular case, even though David broke the law, it seems like God is justifying it just because he wanted to and extend that grace to him. And the reason why I'm saying this so much and I'm trying to be very honest with you and very clear is because I don't want you to go tomorrow out of here and say, you know what, I think I'm okay if I just lie a little bit because this is going to be something good. That's not up to you to decide. The Lord told you not to lie or don't, you know, raise false witness, and that's what you do. It's a risky move to move that way. So I'm not saying that it's okay. Are we all clear with that? I want to make sure that we're all clear here because it may be a little confusing. I think, I'm going to read it again. I'm saying that it's the, in this particular case, it seems to me that God justified just because he wanted. Or he extended his grace. Let me put it that way, maybe. But he's not, technically, he's not justified. He's acknowledged that he broke the law. right? But we don't see... I don't see a list of punishment. I don't see nothing. Maybe it happens. I just, it's not in the text. I have no idea. It's one of those mysteries that probably, again, my limited mind, I never understand. But what I know is that I had to obey God's law. And that's what I had to do. The rest is up to him as a sovereign God. And that's, I'm going to finish right there before I just keep, you know, getting more messy in here. here. Uh, let me see where are we here. Verse five, and he said to them, "The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath." And he find here we find the sovereign God. He give us the Sabbath. He's Lord of the Sabbath. He knows the purpose and meaning, the real meaning of the Sabbath. I love it. He can do as he wish, because even though he want to change everything, he's up to. He's God. I don't. Have, I can tell him what to do or not to do. He won't do it because he's just. But even he wanted to do, he's God. He's 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 he's. He's the one that made the Sabbath and He's the one that made the law for us. Um, so what I can get out of all this is this, and if I can leave something with you today, is I, we went through all this text, not just today, but even chapter five from before all that, is one message. As a human, as the just the Pharisees and the disciples of John, they were trying to understand all these new things, you know, still kind of grabbing the old stuff and trying to put all this stuff together if i can get one thing out of this and i can you know press you to do as well is that the only way that we can find all those answers and to be right is searching for the lord because if i try to understand my own understanding my own mind i'm always going to fall short which is what they were doing. They were just trying to understand their own ways, with their own traditions, with their own teachings. The only person that has all the right answers in here in the whole chapter, even starting chapter 5, is the Lord Jesus. That's the importance here, though. That's where I want to press you. That's why it's so important to have intimacy with the Lord. That's what's so important to read the Word. That's what's so important to fast. That's what's so important to pray. So it's not our own understanding, so it's not our own conclusions. It's actually the Lord changing your heart and saying, no, this is my word. This is what I mean. I know what you understand, I know what your opinion is, but this is what I mean. And the only way that we can find those answers is spending time with our God. Not this is good. Coming to church is awesome. The Lord tell us, you know, don't stop coming and don't. Don't stop having assembly together. But this is not enough. We need to have that intimacy with the Lord. Go into the house, bend your knees, pray to the Lord, read your word. That's where you're gonna real find answer. With the author of the word. Right? We can guide you. Hopefully we can guide you. Hopefully I actually guide you in some degree. But really you cannot stop with this. Oh, uh, you know, brother Gerardo, he say this, so this must be it. No. You had to go home and pray and read it and see: Is this brother Gerardo? Or is this actually God? Is he mis- did, he, did he mess up or, or he was writing the money? How you find out that? How you find out that it was my opinion was actually God? You had to have that intimacy with the Lord. You must go to your house and read the Word and have communion with the Lord. This is so important for everything, really. This is, the, this is how you grow in, in the Christian life. This is how you grow as a child of God. Finding, you know, the time, the quality time with your Lord. That's where you find answers. Uh, without Him, we are lost. Or we just, just, we're just grabbing and, and, and getting men understanding. We need our Lord. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of the law. He is the Lord of all. And I hope and I really pray that He is also the Lord of you. I'm going to close with this. My wife, for many, many years, she told me before I met her that, and I think I shared this before. There's an old song that's called Ref- Refiner Fire. Refiner Fire. And there is a part where it calls, and they sing that, I want you to be my master. And she told me for many years before she met me that she will sing this song and she will skip that part. And she will just sing the whole song, but when she get I want you to be my master, she will not sing anything and then she just keep going. Why? Because she was afraid. To make the Lord her master, because she knows if she made him her master, her Lord, now he's the one that's gonna rule over her. He's the one that's gonna start guiding her. She will have to listen to him, whatever that is. She like it or, or not, he's the Lord. So, but I can tell you, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of us can say, to having our Lord Jesus, our as our Lord, is the most amazing thing that happens to me, it, it, because I. He knows what's best for me. He made me. He gave me a purpose. He gave me a meaning. So I I won't go wrong with him. And everything that I have done in my life as a Christian has always been a blessing. All things work together for my good. And so I I hope and I pray that he can also be the Lord of your life. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord. Because you are so good to us, so patient, so loving. Lord, I pray that... uh, As we went through these chapters, that you can work in the heart of each one of us. That uh, this learning process doesn't stop here now. But we can actually go home, read your word, and uh, search for your wisdom. Search for your spirit to tell us something special, something personal. And um, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that we can make you Lord of our life completely, Lord. Not just in certain parts of our life. That we, I pray that we don't make the same mistakes that the Pharisees were doing or some people uh, do, and even we do, Lord, That just to grab man teaching and we'll be be okay with that. No, Lord, that we can search for you, that we can search for the real answer, the truth that comes from you, the author of your word, the author of life, the author of my life. So I pray, Lord, that, that you can help us to search for that that we can have that intimacy, that we can know you in a different way as our Lord and our Master. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I just want to encourage you for do what we were singing. Just call to the Lord. I want to encourage you to search for Him. That's where we can find the answers. That's where we can find what He really means. You know, and, and always approach Him knowing that your mind always going to fall short. <laughs> The Lord is way too great. He's way too big to understand him completely. But in his mercy, he always allows us to know a little bit of him, and which is awesome. Search for him, and you will find him. So make sure to read your Bible. Make sure to pray. Make sure to look for him. Search for him. He's the answer for everything. So I encourage you to do that, and uh, the Lord bless you this week. Keep praying for Pastor Dave and the team, and uh, may the Lord bless you. Amen.